1: Buckets, my name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the action. Now we're joined by Albert Wynn, aka the Analytics Capper. You can find him on Twitter at Analytics Capper. And this is your weekend recap. This podcast brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, where you can get the absolute best odds on everything that you're looking to bet on the NBA or any sport this season. Albert, it was an eventful weekend, and there's a lot of places for us to start, but I can think of none better than with Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers, who are back. And they're the talk of the town, and they're the talk of the league, and AD's going crazy, and so we got to talk about what the impacts are. Uh, Last two weeks, the Lakers are fourth in offense— 16th in defense, and 6th in net rating over at Cleaning the Glass. In AD's last 10 games, he's averaging 34 points per game with 15 rebounds and 4.3 stocks, steals plus blocks per game, shooting 63% from the field, 42% from three, 86% from the line, the movement has been crazy. Joe Delera, one of our contributors here on Buckets, put in a bet in the app on AD to win MVP. So I'll just go ahead and ask you, Albert, are you buying that Anthony Davis and his phenomenal play has turned around the Lakers season he's a real MVP candidate?
2: Man, Matt, all those positive things, AD playing well, LeBron's return, Russ is awesome off the bench, and the Lakers are still 12th. in the Western Conference. They are 8-2 in their last 10. Um, They are one of the hottest teams in the Western Conference. I believe it's them, the Suns, and the Pelicans are the only ones that are 8-2 in their last 10. So they're definitely trending in the right direction, Matt. But as far as MVP, and we kind of alluded to this last week, um, he's been great, playing great basketball, and he's playing a lot of games, right? He's only set out one or two games so far this season. You don't expect that to continue. I never expect an injury. I never expect someone to go down. But just to you know go after his history and his just long, long list of injuries in his career, you just have to be mindful of that. So I wouldn't lay so much money on an MVP bet. They have to basically go, you know, they have to win 80, 85, 85% of the rest of their games to be up in the discussion as a top four seed in the West. And that's the only way he's going to win MVP. So um, it's a great story. It's great to have the Lakers be relevant again in the NBA. I mean, once they're good, NBA is always better when the, the Lakers or the Knicks are good. Um, but it's it's a far-fetched dream for him to be MVP.
0: Yeah,
1: I think um, it's interesting because I, I'm not going to say that you're buying him at the peak of value because we don't know exactly where this is going to end up. And it's entirely possible that he keeps up at, you know, a toward pace for a while and it gets even shorter uh so here, here's a good example of where ad is at since this streak started for the los angeles lakers back on november 13th um ad has an expected efg expected effective field goal percentage of 41.6 which is very low he has an actual efg of 54.3 which is very high he's shooting 12.6 percent over that mark more importantly 80s is just not going to hit jumpers at a 54.3% rate. And if you're like, why not? Well, I'm just telling you that's based off of literally every time in his career, except for the games in the bubble. If he was in the bubble, I would be like, yeah, no, he can do this. This is what he did in the bubble last time. We have a wide range of history with Anthony Davis's jumper, and it never sustains itself like this. So likely some regression there. And think he's been phenomenal. There's no doubt about it. Um, I will say this, that you know, the, the, here's the interesting question is, okay, Matt, but you're always building these positions on MVP and you bet all these different people is 80 so far mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. Like the reality is that I still think I'm going to be able to get a good number on him. Think of it this way. So he moved from plus 7,000 to now plus 4,800 at FanDuel. It's 48 to one. We had a long way to go before this thing starts to like lose value, right? Like this thing might move to 20 to one in a week, 10 days, and that would still be pretty good return and would still provide you an opportunity while giving you another, you know, week, 10 days to analyze whether or not this continues or not. The injury thing is, I don't know how you avoid it. There's a reason that they call him street clothes, there's a reason that he's called Anthony Data Davis. Uh, this is just for him, <laughs> a lot of it is how can I put this? It's not pain tolerance. I don't think that that's fair to say but he tends to suffer injuries, which he feel limits his ability to compete. Like he does tweak an ankle and then has to leave and come back. He does injure his shin. He does have knee soreness. He does have these types of things happen to him. It's not like just freak accidents, like he breaks his wrist or whatever. It's just like he just gets banged up and worn down. Um, I think having the kind of guys that they've got around him does help because they've added some centers that kind of helps take some of the burden off of that. The other thing I would I, would, I need to point out here when we look at the Lakers So since November 13th, as I mentioned, uh, they are, let's see, seven and two in that stretch. Okay, that's great. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Here's who they faced. The Nets were on the second game of a back-to-back over the weekend weekend. AKA the dreaded LA Nightlife spot. And as we all know, LA Nightlife is undefeated. A couple of days later, they faced, they had a, a they had a long layoff, right? So they play the Nets on the on the 13th. They don't play again until the 18th when they face the Detroit Pistons at home and they beat them. They face the San Antonio Spurs, aka the worst team in the league, and they beat them. Then they go on the road to Phoenix and they lose by three. It's a competitive game, close, but they lose. Uh, then they faced the Spurs again in San Antonio. That's a win. They take on the Lakers at home. They have that wild comeback. They blow that big lead at home to the Pacers. They beat the Blazers without Dame. They go on the road and they beat the Bucks. And that's going to be the one that everybody's going to point to and go, ah, but they beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, in, and, and they even had mid back, but I was on the Lakers in that game. I gave that game out on this podcast. That was one of my best bets on this podcast because specifically the combination of how the Bucks play, which is they really struggle on offense, and that feeds into what the Lakers want to do, which is they want to grind it out games. And two, mid-coming back was going to cause a little bit of disruption. They're still trying to figure out the rotations. They're still trying to knock the rust off. That was an easy spot to bet the Lakers versus a good team against the spread. Then they go on to on Sunday night. We're recording this on Sunday night, and they take care of business versus the Wizards because the Wizards are just not very good. Now, AD has 55-17 in that game. 55 points, 17 rebounds, goes 9 of 9 from the stripe, and 2 of 3 from three-point range. Might be one of his best games ever. Just categorically might be one of his best games ever. It's just simply not in the range of what he's been with the Lakers. It's not what he's been in the last five years. It's honestly not historically what he's been ever. Even with the Pels, he wasn't this good. I don't have a lot of faith that after two years of really struggling with the Lakers, all of a sudden this is going to turn around. So I'm with you. I, I don't think this is a buy spot for the Lakers or AD is MVP. I will ask you though, look the Western conference. It's not as good as we kind of thought it was. You've got the oh, Anthony Towns injury. You've got um, some other teams that haven't necessarily gotten off to the really great starts. You mentioned that they're 10 and 12, but if we look at, where this is at, they are just one game back of the Warriors for what would be the sixth seed. Is it, is a mm-hmm. Lakers playoff prop, maybe something that at least given that it's a plus number right now might be worth looking at.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you still have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I, and like I said earlier, Russell Westbrook coming off the benches has been a solid move. That's probably been Darvin Ham's best move so far this season. So props to him. um, the, the, the Western conference is just so bunched up Matt that it's hard to really predict if you can get a plus number out of any fringe team right now it's going to be great value because at the end of the day you're going to get plus money um eventually for every team within the fringe right. spots right um the 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 thing here that I want to highlight is not only did you know ad had 55 and 17 today but he was going up against a pretty good perzingus Uh, player who's been playing really well recently Uh, but the impressive part is not only the the win in Milwaukee but he was going toe-to-toe with the best player in the league in the world and that's Giannis Um, I think he ended 44 and 10 there and all 10 rebounds came in the second half they needed all 10 of those rebounds and he's shooting really well right 18 out of 27 in that Milwaukee game against Giannis and then 22 of 30 tonight I mean no way any player can keep that, can sustain that kind of, you know, efficiency. But he is playing a lot better. The Lakers are going to play better. And I think they will continue to, um, you know, play better than what people expected early on. Again, this was a, a team that was hurt early on. A lot of their bench players that are playing now were not contributors early on. Russell Westbrook was still a big problem, a big issue for them early in the season. And again, Darvin Ham is a first-year NBA head coach. So he's going to go through some growing pains himself. And I think as long as they can stay healthy, which is a big if because these guys are older um, and a lot of mileage on them, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs for sure.
1: All right, let's go ahead and move to the most important covers, the mic drop. We're going to talk about the big events over the weekend, and we'll talk about uh, what we think of those results. We'll start with the Phoenix Suns. Who are 8 and 2 in their last 10 and they're now I thought this that was interesting. They're 8 and 4 this season versus teams over 500 which is really impressive and they're 8 and 3 versus teams under 500. That's an extremely consistent win profile. Uh I did bet the Phoenix Suns to finish with the number 1 seed in the Western Conference at a small minus number last week when I started looking at their win profile. They're already up 4 in the loss column on the Warriors. They're minus 310 to win the division at FanDuel. Is that thing locked? Are we done? Like, are the Suns just going to win the division and be a top three seed, if not the number one seed?
2: I mean, you and I have done this show a few times now. You know how I feel about the Warriors, especially in the regular season. So I think as far as, um, you know, threats or competition for that, I think it's pretty much done, man. I think they are also... Um, littered with players on this team that really care about the regular season and are still trying to prove something and and make a statement. So um, I think the motivation factor is always going to be there with the Phoenix Suns. And Don't forget, they're doing this all without Chris Paul. Once Chris Paul gets back, there may be a little... You know, integration process that needs to take place there. But once he gets back and, uh, you know, gets back into full swing, it's going to be one of the best closing teams again in the league. And they've been that way for the last few years now. Uh, Devin Booker's really taken his game to the next level. Before tonight, um, he had 44, 51, and 41 in that last three game stretch. So, I mean, I mean, this is a solid team, man. They have outside shooting, they have defense that can, uh, that is very, uh, switchable, that can guard multiple positions. And then they have a, a guy on the inside, Aiton, who dominates when he has his mind right, right? He's been averaging over 10 rebounds for the last, I think, eight or nine games straight. So, I mean, props to them. I do think they're going to win the Pacific, and I actually think they're going to win the Western Conference as well for the re- for the regular season.
1: Yeah, you know, with Chris Paul on the floor, they're plus 11 in net rating, pardon me, plus 12. With Booker, it's plus 11. Uh, With Mikhail Bridges, that's plus 10. Dario Saric is plus 10. Landry Shamit is plus 10. I don't understand how that's continues to work. Like, whenever I watch Shamit, I'm like, this is terrible, but it's working. all of their rotation guys, except for Tory Craig, who is a minus 0.5, they all have a positive net rating of plus five or more. That kind of balance when you talk about no matter who's on the court, they win their minutes is just massive. Um, another phenomenal yeah. job, honestly, by Monty Williams. We'll see if the Suns can keep it up and what happens with, obviously, the Jay Crowder trade, which continues to percolate around the league. What about the Hawks? Okay, so the Hawks get a big win on Friday night versus the Denver Nuggets. They needed that because truth be told, the Hawks have not been, honestly, very good in high-profile spots this season. Uh, they're 7-7 and versus 500 teams and better. Now, that's not bad. It's just not necessarily great. But what was interesting about that game was they were missing a bunch of guys. Okay, so so no Collins and no Bogdanovich and all these guys are out, um, including Trey Young. And Trey Young has shoulder soreness and he misses that game. And then on Sunday, there's a report that comes out from Sean Charania at the Athletic with Sam Amick that Trey Young had a disagreement with Nate McMillan at shoot around on Friday, where Nate said, Hey, are you gonna shoot around? He was getting treatment. He was getting treatment on his shoulder. Hey, you know, if you're gonna play, let's go ahead and, you know, participate in shoot around and then you know, you can play tonight or not. And Trey said, well, I don't really want to decide now. I just want to do treatment, skip shoot around, and then I'll play if I feel like it essentially. And then McMillan goes like, okay, well you can either do shoot around or you can come off the bench. Uh, And Trey young being Trey young. uh, This is my words, not in the reported story, but my words for it would be Trey young said, fuck you. I'm Trey young. I do what I want. And Trey young did not attend that game. Did not go to the game. There's no internal disciplinary action expected or that has been levied. And Trey Young expected to be back in the starting lineup on Monday. Uh, this is not great. This is not great on multiple levels. So Lloyd Pierce already got fired in Atlanta because Trey Young did not have his support or he did not have Trey Young's support. So that's already like out the door, right? Well, that's one coach. We're working on coach number two that Trey's going to kill off. Um, it's a real interesting battle here between Trey Young and Luka Doncic for who, which guy's going to go through more coaches in like, the first five years of their career. It's a battle. I think it's really close. <laughs> I, I, my, th- What I'd always heard was that Nate had the support of the locker room and that was one of the reasons they felt like they could go past Lo- Lloyd Pierce. They could move on from Lloyd Pierce. And I'd always heard that like Clutch was pretty okay with McMillan. But if Trey's battling with Nate now, that's going to cause problems. And I'll just say like, we already know that john collins continues to be on the block and there's been a lot of tension between collins and young in the past like this team i don't know how else to say this it seems like there's like a pretty good nba team in there that also has trey young who's really good on it and i feel like that's an unsustainable situation for the long term albert
2: i fully agree with you i didn't know about that story so thank you for sharing that um From a personnel standpoint, this is why you make a trade for DeJounte Murray, right? I know it's supposed to be uh, a backcourt where both of them are supposed to dominate together. Offense, defense, shooting, length, guys like that. But DeJounte Murray, without Trey Young, 13 for 22 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3. Ended up 34 points, 8 assists, and uh, 1 block, 3 rebounds. Solid game. Big win over the Denver Nuggets, like you said. I'm not saying Trey Young is expendable. I'm not saying he's asking to be traded because I think he's one of the the guys that kind of can call his shots for a franchise like Atlanta. With that being said, man, I'm looking at Nate McMillan coaching stats, right? Um, This year, he's winning over 56% of his games. Last year, down year, 52% year before that, 71% when he took over that role and only coached in, I guess, 38 games. But basically, I'm going down his coaching resume. He hasn't had a losing season since 2011, 2012. So 10 years since he's had a losing season. To me, he doesn't deserve to be fired. I don't know if that's something that is in discussions right now. Hopefully, this is something that they can talk it out and, and, you know.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.
2: mend fences with because you're right they are a solid team and if and when they move john collins this should be a team that makes some noise in the playoffs just like we saw two years ago when they splash on the scene there there's a lot of talent here and their wing players although they don't get a lot of recognition are very very versatile defenders which is the type of players i would want in a playoff series from you know deandre hunter to okongwu guys like that Bogdanovich is back now, so he's gonna provide more shooting for them as well. This is a solid team. Hopefully it just gets worked out.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's it's sad because I I feel like, you know, we like them for the division and preseason. I still like them. Like I just think that they're the best team in that division, even with Miami getting the big win on Friday versus uh, the Celtics, you know, a very weird performance from the Celtics. You know the Hawks are already up two games on Miami. There's nobody else in that division that I think they can really compete for it, and that means that they could likely land like a top four, top five seed. But you know, Dejounte and Trey seem to be on the same angle. I will say I totally agree with your assessment on on Dejounte. Trey hasn't shot the ball well this year. I'm just going to tell you, like I've been on a bet stream with the Hawks when Trey had to go out with injury. And they looked awesome when DeJounte was running the team. Like, when it's DeJounte and all these weapons, they look really good. Like, they just Mm -hmm. do. And they play with a little bit more of an edge than they do with Trey. Um, And they're never going to move on from Trey, which is, I think, kind of a problem. I'll say this, though. Like, I don't know that Trey Young is good enough for you to to constantly kowtow to. So how they handle the situation is going to be very interesting. Because I don't know that Trey Young is good enough for you to be like, yes, we'll fire a second coach. And yes, we'll do all this. And all that and the other. And really what this comes down to is another case of an NBA player being like, I don't know if I want to play or not. Uh, I don't know. Which, you know, again, I'll just say that's what the money is for. Uh, the Pelicans go to two and zero versus the Spurs and the Nuggets this weekend. Obviously the Spurs are, are just the tank is on. The tank is on. on. That's for uh, Matt Mitchell, who asked me to sing that the, they do the knock off the Nuggets though uh, on Sunday, a really impressive performance. Jose Alvarado goes for a career high They continue to get this done with injuries to various folks in the starting lineup. They're now on the longest winning streak in the NBA at four. And they are still a plus number at FanDuel to win the division. I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that this is the best team in the division. This is honestly, I think, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Like their record is not as good as their advanced metrics say that they are. And they've done this without Brandon Ingram, which granted, I think there's a little bit of correlation there in terms of Zion having the ball more. But I I just got to tell you, Albert, I love these Pelicans futures that I have. I've got the over on the win total, I've got the division, I've got them as a top three seed. Love where I'm at with this Pelicans team. I think this team is way better than what the record shows, and they're one of the best teams in the West.
2: Fully agree. Fully on board there, Matt. We talked about them last week. Uh, I guaranteed you last week that they're going to finish top four in the West, even through their struggles. But if you dive deeper into the numbers, not only do they have the best record in the Southwest, leading the Memphis Grizzlies and Dallas Mavericks, but their point differential is second overall in the Western Conference at seven points. They average 117 points on offense and only give up 110. Um, This is a great team, and I'm going to say it again. There are teams that are awesome for the regular season and teams that are built for the playoffs, and this is a team that's both because they're motivated to really make a mark in the regular season. They have a ton of young, hungry players that are going to try every single night, and then once they get into the playoffs, again, defensive versatility is my favorite part my favorite thing to look at when I, you know, analyze teams. So I love this team. I love that you have a lot of features on them, Matt, because I think the the Pelicans, I think they're not surprising people like us who really follow the sport and handicap it from a day-to-day basis, but for a casual fan, I think they're, they're going to catch up and really surprise people, and they're going to have 50, 55 wins at the end of the year. Everyone that listens to this
1: podcast knows how much I love the site Dunks and Threes, which does schedule-adjusted, Uh, net ratings. The Pels actually have the best net rating in the Western Conference, third best league wide over there. They are third best in the league with the seventh best offense and the second best defense. They're one of three teams, along with the Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns, to hold a top 10 mark in both offense and defense in adjusted net ratings this season. Okay, let's go ahead and turn our attention. We're going to wrap up with, with our usual feature, which is if you had to bet the awards. So this, we don't always talk about things that we have better or are going to bet sometimes, but not always. But we talk about who has the best value on the board, as has been usual. Gonna go ahead and hold off on rookie of the year because it's still Palo. We agree it's Palo. There's not much more to say about Palo. If Palo were to miss more time, if Matherin were to go on an absolutely ridiculous run, then maybe we could talk about it. But right now it's it's Palo Bancaro by a pretty wide margin still. Uh we'll start with MVP. I have said Steph Curry the last three times that I've been on the show with you, and I will go to a fourth. He's still plus 700. Can't stop, won't stop. This is pretty simple. Steph's number one in EPM. The guy that's been number one in EPM has won, I think, four of the last six of the MVPs. You have to be top three in, in EPM in order to finish in to win the MVP. That's not necessarily a... That way, it's more of the guys that win MVP all finish in the top three. So there's a high correlation there. Uh, I think the Warriors will eventually go on a run. I think the Warriors will eventually get this together. I think you're starting to see it with how they've taken care of business. Again, they're very good at home. They just got to figure out how to win on the road where they're 2-10. But as that kind of continues... I do expect the warriors to pick up steam. So I'll go ahead and I'll go uh, with Steph. I think it's 700. I still think that's the best value on the board. I think there's a very good chance that Steph finishes top three. That's what I'm looking for here is I want guys that are going to finish top three. And I think Steph Curry is very likely to finish in the top three by the end of the season. If you had to bet MVP right now, what would you bet?
2: Yeah. When when you mentioned top three, there's really only four guys going for that top three spot. We've already mentioned a lot of them. Uh, Giannis, Luca, I think uh, I mentioned Jason Tatum a few weeks ago when he's plus 800. You got me on Curry when he was plus 1,000. Still all great value. One thing I want to talk about is Devin Booker. I know I mentioned him last week, um, but you know he continues to play well, and he's now up to the six best odds at plus 2,100. So um, if you got him last week, you're getting amazing CLV. So instead of going for someone with um, – Going for an MVP pick, I just wanted to talk to you about some of the uh, MVP odds that really doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to compare two players here. First player averages twenty eight point two points, six point four rebounds, seven point three assists. Player B twenty seven point eight points. So right there in terms of points per average, to only two point nine rebounds, but he's averaging nine point six assists, which is top five in the league. They have the same team records, um, but one player, John ja Morant, is thirty to one, while Trey Young is 210 to one. Make that make sense for me, Matt.
1: Trey, you know, Jaw has just he is a magnet for attention. Like he's just such a flashy star. Trey's honestly, I think like it's funny because Trey's numbers in terms of the RAWs are good. The shooting efficiency has been really poor. When the when the Grizzlies win with Jaw on the floor, which you could talk about last year and the performance without him. But when they win with him on the floor, it's very loud, right? It's dunks and steals and highlight plays. And when the Hawks win with Trey Young on the floor, it's like, yeah, Trey had a monster game, but you don't really see many as many of the highlights. I think there's an eye test function of this, but I think both team both players have about the same odds of winning it, which is, you know, I think it's much closer to 210-1 to 1 than it is to 30-1. Uh, it's and been interesting to see. I don't know why the bookmakers continue to put John into this. this like, they really – really believe that there's going to be some sort of push for Joe. I, I, I would just be like, guys, you got to, if you listen to the podcasts and you listen to the voters and see who they're talking about, jaw's like, Oh, he's phenomenal. Is he an MVP? No, that's no. Like there's a handful of guys. Tatum's in the conversation because the Celtics are number one and they can't miss a, a fucking jump shot. They can't miss. They cannot miss. <laughs> wrote about yep. that on Friday. You can find the action network where I talked about why that might regress and why it might not. Luca and Giannis are in it because incredible numbers, the entire engine for their teams, incredible usage. Steph's in it because of the absolute berserk efficiency and the impact that he has whenever he's on the court. Like his team whips ass whenever he's on the court. Um, Jokic is going to be in that conversation because they're really good when he's on the court. Like these are all kind of factors that that weigh in. With ja, it's, it's it's really, yeah, they're good. They're good when he's on the court, but it's not necessarily all that greater than some of these other guys and Trey just honestly hasn't separated himself. Um, I will say this entire new debacle with, with Nate McMillan is probably not going to help Trey's MVP. It doesn't help. Don't don't want to be a guy that gets your coach fired. Even if regardless of whose fault it is, you don't want to be that. Um, let's talk six, man. Okay. Last week you had Malcolm Brogdon. That was your pick last week for, if you had to bet it at plus 1400. Well, lo and behold, Albert is plus 500 now. And I think that's the best value on the board. Uh, you're starting to see him take on a bigger role. You're starting to see him, you know, his shooting efficiency has been through the roof. And I continue to kind of feel like it is more likely that Brogdon wins six man and Missoula wins coach than Tatum mm-hmm. wins MVP. That's my personal opinion based off of what I kind of expect for the rest of the season. I have a hard time believing that Tatum will keep up his production, which isn't as good as some of the other guys still. But I still think that the Celtics might finish with a really good record, even if they slide a little bit. And I think Brogdon is really good value here because if you, the I keep coming back to this, if there's not a good candidate and there's not, there's not a good candidate like Westbrook's numbers are dropping off already. If there's not a good candidate, it might actually go to a player that makes a difference, which it has never gone to. It just goes to bucket getters. So I think from that perspective, Brogdon at plus 500 is still really good value.
2: Yeah, props to Brogdon. We've seen it before when the when the uh, team wins Coach of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, Suns, right, with Mike D'Antoni and Leandro Barbosa. Um, so Boston, best best offense in the league. I'm going to go to the second best offense in the league for this pick here, Matt. Uh, and their sixth man coming off the bench is Malik Monk. Had a really slow start to the year, but uh, November he really picked it up. He's playing even better in December. There's only been two games. But in November, he averaged 17 points. Again, this is the second-best offense in the league. 37% from three-point line, 89% from the free-throw line. And when he's in the game, he is basically the number one option, even before De'Aaron Fox, definitely before Sabonis because he's more of a connector and someone that's running the offense instead of finishing. So I like Malik Monk because he's going to get you the stats that someone like a Jordan Clarkson or Jamal Crawford needs to get. Um, you know, very high numbers of threes, uh, high volumes, and great uh, percentages. So Malik Monk is pretty good value right now. It's it's similar to how I saw Malcolm Brogdon last week. I think Malik Monk's odds are going to get uh, shorter and shorter as the year goes on.
1: Finally, Defensive Player of the Year. I have a new bet that I made over the weekend, and it's Jarrett Allen, plus 4,500. All right, so... I'm going to list these numbers, which they should not have any sort of impact on defensive player of the year. They will if you don't have a lot of rebounds and you don't have a lot of stocks. You're not going to. It's tough. Uh, he has he's averaging 12 boards. That's great. Three stocks per game. That could probably go up. But here's the big thing: the Cavaliers now passed the the Bucks this weekend on adjusted defensive rating. Okay. Yep. So they've actually surpassed the Bucks in terms of being the best defense in the NBA. That's significant. And if we look at it, they've actually passed them in raw, too, which is one of the number that all the voters will look at. They have the best defensive rating in the league at 106.7 to the Bucks' 107. Milwaukee's been on a little bit of a slide. Cleveland's been consistent. I looked at EPM, which is broken down by offense and defense over at Dunks and Threes. And Jared Allen is number one in defensive EPM. OK, let's look at just net rating. OK, defensive rating rather. For guys that play a certain amount of minutes, at least 30 minutes a game, and have appeared in at least 15 games this season, here's the list. Number one is Brooke Lopez. Number two is Drew Holiday. Number three is Jared Allen. So if we take it by the the virtue of the best defensive player on the best defensive team, it hasn't been Evan Mobley. By the numbers, it's been Jared Allen. And if you say, like, won't Mobley and Allen cannibalize each other? Marcus Smart and Robert Williams didn't last year. Now, part of that was because Robert Williams got hurt. But at 45 to 1, to me, this is great value on Jared Allen, who I think would actually probably get some conversation since he plays full-time center, uh, the most important defensive position for the best defense in the league.
2: I think that's a great pick, Matt. And I think Jared Allen often gets overlooked because everyone's enamored with the potential of Evan Mobley. Me being one of them, I think Evan Mobley is going to be a great player offensively and defensively. But Jared Allen is a great player right now. Um, And I think he needs to be able to get some of that credit. You're right, best player on the best team. And he's always going to get, you know, the rebounding numbers as well as steals and blocks. So I like that number a lot. Uh, I like Jared Allen pick a lot. For me, I'm just surprised that Brook Lopez is such a big favorite. I think he's minus 100 right now, which is insane to me because I think there's so many other really solid defenders I know Brook Lopez right now has been the best defender on, I guess, a top two defensive team. He's averaging three blocks a game, which is super impressive, leading the league. But I mean, only 5.9 rebounds, only 0.6 steals. And I say only in jest, but it's not something that really jumps off the page to me. And it's reminding me of the 2012-2013 year when Marc Gasol won. And it's not that Marc Gasol was a bad defensive player. He didn't have numbers that jumped off the page either. And he had a team, a defensive team, that were really, really good around them, right? Tony Allen, first-team all-defense. Uh, Mike Conley was, you know, one of the league leaders in steals that year. They still had guys like uh, Rudy Gay, Tayshawn Prince on the perimeter, Zach Randolph. Like, these guys that were really good defenders that made up a really good defensive team in Memphis. And it's reminding me, um, you know, that I think someone, again, props to Brooke Lopez for everything he's done. But I think he, he's gonna shaft someone if if he does win the defensive player of the year award.
1: I don't agree. I think the defensive that so much with like it was with Gasol. It's about savvy. It's about smarts. And it's about positioning. Brooke Lopez is <laughs> always in the right position. And he always defends in the right way. It's those guys that make these insane weak side blocks where they over chase and leave the other side open. And you get wide open dunks. Cause they decide to go chasing for blocks. Those are guys that hurt you. Brooke Lopez is able to effectively run drop coverage, which is very difficult in this league. It gets most people cooked and the bucks are excellent at it. Um, one thing to note here. I just looked this up while you were talking. Defensive field goal percentage uh, per NBA.com's tracking. Some of this can be a little wonky. Take it with a grain of salt. Uh, minimum five field goal attempts defended. And I believe that's at the rim. Yeah, it's at the rim defended. Um, and at least 20 minutes played. Jaron Jackson Jr. is number one in only seven games played at 44%. That's wild. So maybe Jaron's one wow. guy we gotta look at. Number two is Jared Allen. At 49.4, Brooke Lopez is third at 52.1. Um, Anthony Davis is at 58, so something to keep track of there. You know I know who's, who's fourth on this list behind Jackson, Allen, and Lopez? No, who is it? Domantas Sabonis. Oh, wow. Light wow. the beam at 53%. <laughs> so... Uh, There's that stat for you. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Make sure to follow Albert on Twitter at Analytics Capper and check out his picks in the Action Network app. The best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. Make sure to leave us those five-star reviews. Subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow with a Best Bets episode featuring Albert and Jay Money. We'll talk to you guys then. Until next time, let's get Buckets.